0: Welcome to the family with... Kevin Pittman. Alex
1: Brant-Bernard Rasmussen.
2: They physically exhausted Catherine Brandt.
1: Mm. Melissa Bernard.
0: Andy Brant-Bernard. And Mike Bryant. Why are you physically exhausted? Yeah.
2: My father is going to... Do
0: you have oh. to carry him around all weekend or something? <laughs> I, I, I might
2: have to. I have no the, idea. That's the first what time i like him.
0: When we had that opening, I said, Why are you worn out? And she would go, I'm married to you. Well, I, Every that's what I was time. expecting. <laughs> Every time.
2: I never want to deliver <laughs> the line that you think I will. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's yeah. true. I always want to do something a little different. We'll be right back. Alan's Zweibel will join us here today, starring Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish. was co written by Billy and Alan, but inspired by a short story written by Alan. Entitled "The Prize," here today is in theaters now, and we'll talk to Alan right after this with the family. You want to do a live spot? Yeah, sure. All right. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant.
3: How are we doing today?
0: Eh, you know, <laughs> I'm on radio. How do you think I'm doing?
3: Well, we're out in the roads. We see people using their cell phones and speeding. So again, it's a reminder: slow down. Get your
0: cell phones out of your hands while you're driving. We were just—I ta- was just talking about that to a. Uh, to a Navy SEAL who wrote a book about how people better get their heads out because if you keep walking around looking at your phone, you're going to get robbed, killed. Whatever. You can't keep yourself that vulnerable. That is not a good idea.
3: Well, the evidence says when you look at your phone, it's like driving a whole football field with your, with the blindfold on. That's Ugh. a long distance. A lot can happen during that time period.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. So what are we going to do? With, well, it's against the law, first of all. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. But nobody cares. Well, th- some
3: people care, but there are a group of people that have gone back to not caring and on their phones, and they're just driving along like nothing matters.
0: Okay, I have a cheap prick question. Okay, why don't you get that automatic uh, deal in your car, where just the, your phone connects to your car, and you don't have to touch your phone?
3: Well, that's what a lot of cars have. Yeah, and cheap so, bastard. Well, these people still want to get them in their hands. They still want to text. They still want to do they things do. with them. You're and right. they're also going too fast. There's, yeah, it's oh. amazing how many people you see going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And one of the points you guys made last week was cars aren't made to go 100 no, 100 not. miles an hour. So. You know, that's a problem.
0: Yeah, just because they can go 100 doesn't mean you should be driving them 100 miles an hour. Not a good plan at all.
3: So, (laughs) walzer.com. Walzer Automotive. (laughs) No! Michael
0: Bryant. Brad, Sean Bryant. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or WalzerNissan.com for details. Amateurs, why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Oh, Dougie, rocking out. That's all I know. He's working gentlemen. on
2: it. Dad's been looking at the clock. <laughs>
0: I just want to make sure that it's... Anxiety
2: level rising. (laughs) Anxiety,
0: not at all. What will (laughs) we do? Ladies and gentlemen, here today starring Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish, co-written by Billy and Alan Zweibel, was inspired by a short story written by Alan titled The Prize. Here today is in theaters now, and with us right now is Alan himself. How are you doing, sir?
5: I'm great. How are you doing?
0: Marvelous talking to you again. Now, before we launch into talking about here today... and and life in general, we just had a vote because the show just started. I was brought up on the uh, show by a guest last week. We've been discussing blonde women with chiclet teeth and then brunettes with no chins. I don't know how it came up, Alan, but we need your vote on it.
5: Okay, so give me the choice again.
0: (laughs) Okay, it's blonde women with chiclet teeth, you know, the square teeth, and brunette women with no chin.
5: You gotta go with the blonde,
0: don't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Good job, Alan. Good job. You gotta go with I the mean, blonde. It,
5: you know, chiclet cheese is one thing, but if there's a lot you can do with a chin, and if you don't have one, what's the point?
0: <laughs> That's right. You can
2: probably stick implants in there nowadays, I'm I would sure. guess. Oh, yeah. I'm Sign sure. yeah. implant it probably do something.
0: Alan just made a great point. How would Rodin's The Thinker look without a chin? This is true think about that? An age I old know. Question. It's, it's not going to work. Alan, how are you? It's great to have you on the show uh, again.
5: It's uh, great to be here. How are you um, I'm thrilled to be here again.
0: Well, I tell you what, we're having a good time. And by the way, could you pick a guy with any more talent than Billy Crystal?
5: Well, you know, I've been really, really lucky um, through the years having some wonderful, um, you know, co-writers, you know, whether they be Gilda or, or, or Radner or... Uh, sure. Gary Shanling, a Martin Short, Dave Barry, Larry David. Billy is, um, you know, he and I go back to 1974. That's when we met, when we were both starting out at the clubs here in New York. He's Uncle Billy to the kids. And, um, uh, you know, there's a shorthand there. When we did uh, collaborated to do 700 Sundays, the, the Broadway show, sure. yep. what, there, when a Tony, you know, it's just a natural shorthand and it's inspiring to work with a guy like that because he can do so many things, you know? So, you, ordinarily, you'd say this to a co-writer, if you're writing with somebody for them, you'd say, okay, how about, you know, and try to, you know, ex- extend their boundary. Billy's the one who does that. He looks at something, he goes, alright, let me try that, you know? He's mm-hmm. just... Uh, incredibly um, multifaceted.
0: He is, and, and by the way, uh, Billy was on, God, I guess it was about a year ago, he was on the show. Had a great time talking to him, but, but I will never forgive him because the rest of my life, every time I use the word, I'm going to do Billy Crystal when I go, what? <laughs> I loved when he did that. So What? That's really funny,
5: I know. It There's is. certain things that stay with you from certain people, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I can understand that
2: totally. I remember. What was his character that he did? What he? Went, you look marvelous. You did that oh, for
0: two yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> Every Fernando. time he you
2: saw anybody, look, he said, you look I marvelous. I did. I
0: stole it from him, Alan. She's <laughs> that's my wife. She's absolutely <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, you were into it.
0: I love Billy Crystal. What a talent that man! Oh, that year, Christopher Guest and Billy Crystal on Saturday Night Live. Forget about it. Nothing's ever going to be better. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You yeah, sounded sure. like my mother when you said that. Was like, like, no, no, no.
5: Uh, no I was getting around, but you know, the first five years were pretty good too.
0: Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. But I just they're so supremely talented, whether it's Oh waiting no
5: look look, I mean I'm I'm teasing. I mean, I was a guest writer about two or three times while that cast was there, I had left the show in 1980. Mm -hmm. They came along, I guess, 85-ish, 86-ish. And if a host liked a particular writer, uh, that writer came on and was a guest writer for that week. So I did that two or three times. Eddie Murphy asked me, um, when when I do, uh, Gary Shandling, uh, I guess Billy had already left by then. Mm -hmm. But there was a couple times that I did that, and it was, incredibly inspiring when you got Martin Short, Chris Gass Billy you know it just kept on going and um, I, I'm wondering was Larry David on that year
0: I think maybe
5: I think he was but yeah. he couldn't he was a writer and he couldn't get a sketch on
0: yep that's right wow. I, Yeah, he was a writer and he couldn't get any of his sketches on which is hilarious We're talking uh, Alan's well, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The movie's called Here Today, but I also want to mention Alan's memoir, Laugh Lines: My Life Helping Funny People Be Funnier. That's a good title, by the way, Alan. I like that title.
5: You know, once I came up with that subtitle, I said, "Okay, I know what this book is." You know, because I didn't want to have one of those uh, books that said, "And then I wrote, and then I wrote." If I talked about my co-writers, the people I've had a chance to work with. Well, then there was an emotionality involved in it. You know, there's something about, you know, especially if you work with a guy like Billy, you work with a guy like Marty short, to, 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 to write one man shows for them, you got to get inside their soul somehow and speak from within there. And those journeys are very, very um, intimate as you can imagine. And, um, yeah, once I thought of that, I went, okay, let me talk about Gary Shanley. Let me talk about Gilda. Let me talk about the uh, the personal aspect of those relationships. So, um, yeah, that took a little while, but um, when I got it, I said, okay, let's go.
0: You know, Alan, it's so amazing because you knew these people. I did not know them, but I talked to every one of them over the years. I've been on the, the same morning show. You were on the morning show, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, I've been on the same morning show for the last 35 years, so I talked to all those people on that morning show. And you talk about professional people that actually cared how your show sounded when they were on it. They're just terrific guests, really good guests.
5: Well, you know what it is? The trick is um, when you're writing with somebody for that person, at best, your vice president, You know what I mean? Because you have to take your ego, put it over here on the side. They have to be comfortable enough to say what you've written as if they wrote it themselves. It has to sound natural coming from their mouth. And if there's any discomfort at all, it's going to not ring true. It's going to be fraudulent. You know, so what happens a lot of times, you'll write a speech or a scene for somebody, and they don't care for it. They don't feel comfortable with it. So you sit down and you say, okay, this is why I wrote it. This is the beat. This is the emotional beat or the story beat that has to take place here. If you agree with that, let's rewrite it so you feel comfortable saying it. But this was the intent. So there's that kind of a a give-and-take kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, in your book... That you make a point that I, I just, uh, I absolutely love. As a matter of fact, your book, it's a great book with his tender, funny memoir, four decades in the business, Ellen's Zweibel traces the history of American comedy. How did, how did Lauren Michaels, because you even, you talk about in your book, how you bombed when it came to you. How did Lauren Michaels, now how does he know who's funny and who isn't? Lauren
5: well, is a genius. And I, yeah. and there's many reasons for that. Um, that support that, but what he he was what he saw in me was a writer. He, he, forget I, I wasn't an actor. I didn't right. want to be a comic. I I was doing it as a means to an end. I was uh, wanted to advertise the material that I was writing, with the hopes that a manager or an agent or somebody would walk into the club and say, wow, that's good material. Let me represent this guy mm-hmm. and trying to help him get a TV job. You know, that was the reason for doing it. Lauren, I was not going to dazzle anybody with my performance. I, I recited is what I did. <laughs> so he was listening <laughs> to the material, yep. wanted to see more. I came in with what I believe were 1,100 of my best written jokes. Sure, <laughs> sure. <The> 1,100. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, um, and and he read one joke, and then he closed the book. He said, good, and he started asking me how much money I needed to live on and everything. I mean, he ultimately read all the jokes, and I'm sure he had to show it to the NBC executive. But um, he knew from the sensibility of one joke that, oh, okay, here's somebody that um, I could use, you know. And-
3: you had a, a long history of working with Billy Crystal. How how was it working with Haddish?
5: Well, she was a real find. Um, we wrote the script, and that character was written sort of generically, because we didn't know who it would be. We knew that the role of Charlie would be Billy. And since Billy was directing, it, you know, it gives you a leg up as a writer, because you try to hook into his vision. As to how the scenes will play out visually. Uh, we were wondering who would play Emma. And then Billy called me up on a Sunday. He said, Did you watch SNL last night? I said, No, I, I DVR'd it. You know, I'm old now, so I don't. I
0: think you still DVR, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Okay.
5: But I had DVR'd it, and Tiffany Haddish had uh, hosted the night before won an Emmy for that performance
0: mm-hmm. and
5: I called him back and I said yeah you're right she's great and um, there was an am- so we, we retooled you know that character for Tiffany and the um, Billy got it to her I guess by way of agent and when she got it two things happened one was she wanted to work with Billy Crystal mm-hmm. and secondly she has a grandmother who uh, has dementia. And Billy's character in the movie has the onset of dementia. And uh, so there was an emotional tug right away. And she said, yeah, I want to do this.
0: I think that's wonderful. The only thing I don't think is wonderful that I'm just about, Alan, you and I are probably, yeah, within 10 years or one another as far as age is concerned, but... Whether it's uh, Anthony Hopkins or Billy Crystal, I don't need guys who are just a little bit older than me getting uh, doing movies about getting dementia. I don't really need it, Alan. I got to be honest. Uh, there's a lot. I, I'm glad they're taking a look at it and all the rest of it, but it feels kind of uncomfortable when people in your not necessarily my generation they're about a half a generation ahead of me. But you know, I love Anthony. I love Anthony Hopkins, Billy Crystal, these guys, and and I understand why it's heaven, but it's a little hard to accept people just a little older than you being, well, he's old now, so he's got dementia. You know what I mean? Well, that's
5: not the case at all. What had happened was um, uh, when we conceived of the idea of Tiffany, and, because was, uh, the springboard was um, a, uh, a story that I had told anecdotally as a guest on the Letterman Show, hmm and Billy called me up the next day and said, why don't we take that story and uh, make it the first scene of a movie uh, between an older guy and a younger woman? And I said, sure. And then we realized that we didn't want to do one of those movies where it was just about the age difference and the difference in culture and mm-hmm. and, and all of that. About that time, my father started getting dementia and Billy had an aunt, the same thing. And unfortunately, um, it, it's a thing. And, um, you know, it's, um, it, it's very real. Mm-hmm. So if you see the movie, you'll laugh your ass off, but at the same time, uh, the relationship between Billy and Tiffany is as such where, at first it, it's just a pure friendship, uh, and when she realizes what's going on with him, um, she becomes his muse. He's writing a book about a, a departed wife. He's having trouble, and he wants to finish before he loses all his worth. And so, uh, you'll, you'll cry at the end of the movie. Mm. I understand. This. I understand um, why you know uh, the, the hesitation or the you know the feeling of, oh, God, I, I don't need to see this." But if you see this movie, boy, um, it's uh, really pretty powerful. Sure. The synergy between Tiffany and Billy, you asked how they went together, there, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's a powerful sort of relationship going on there, and it's real funny, and then it becomes um, poignant.
0: You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to imply that I wouldn't want to see the movie, because if you wrote it and Billy and Tiffany are in it, I will see it. There's no question about that, and I want to talk more about it. It's just... One of those situations. Oh, you know, what? I did want to ask you one thing, Alan. You don't have to comment on this if you don't want to, but, I, and I wasn't shocked by it. But one of the reasons I admire Billy Crystal so much is he hides from nothing. He'll do humor about it, he'll be serious about it, whatever. He doesn't hide from anything. And for Billy to come out uh, anti, uh, you know, this cancel culture thing, I was very proud of him. He didn't have to do that, but he doesn't like it. And he came out and said, I don't like this. I, li- I admire that.
5: Well, I got to tell you something. Um, no matter what, you know, aisle you sit on, whether it's the left or the right, mm-hmm. um, it, it's gone too far. Yes. Uh, I believe the same thing. A lot of us do that, um, wait a second, you know, this is who we as a culture were when this was written, when this was produced, when this was sung, you know, and, and, you uh, Things are taken within the context of the times that they were done. There's an understanding of it. And if you want to put a positive spin, you you can say, oh, look how far we've come. You know what I'm saying? But to make believe it never happened um, and just to to antiseptically whitewash everything and then just, uh, you know, erase it, No. Mm -hmm. that's who we were we have a culture it didn't start yesterday
0: no you're absolutely right about that there's no question Alan I always like to ask people this question and you know it's because of my own experience in my life was there one person when you were just a little boy do you remember one person that you wanted to make laugh more than anybody else
5: yeah I had had a sister a younger sister Fran Um, she has since uh, passed on but uh, about four years ago now. But she was um, two years younger than me. And if I made her laugh, I knew I was onto something. There was (laughs) was something about her um, assessment and and her appreciation of what I wrote. Now mind you, I've created a complete TV series that she didn't laugh once. (laughs) So, you
0: know,
5: so. Unfortunately, there was
0: an accuracy to her as a barometer, you know. <laughs> God, it's so funny. I was talking to uh, Tom Dreesen last week on this very show. Tom Dreesen was on last week. And I asked him that question, and he said, you know that I've asked every comedian I've ever worked with, did your father ever tell you he loved you or told you you were funny or said that, uh, that he you know, enjoyed being around you? He has yet to meet a comedian that said, yes, my father told me he loved me. None of them. Well, you
5: know, there's a difference. You know, look, we're all dented
0: cans to a degree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. And, and, and so it's a matter of,
5: okay, how deep does the dent go?
0: Yep.
5: If mean, you just dent the can, well, we look at the world a little askew, but we can function. There are some people who not only is the can dent it, it's, it's punctured, and the hole goes through the other side. Yeah, that, that, That's who you got to watch out for. And um, my parents were incredibly supportive. Now, mind you, uh, they, uh, when I used to write jokes for comedians who worked in the Catskill Mountains, and I used to drive their car up there on a Friday or a Saturday night to see the comedians deliver my jokes, I'd get home at 4.30 in the morning. My dad would meet me at the door and he'd make me breakfast and ask me how the jokes went. Oh, so I, I can't say, while I'm not a comedian, I'm a writer, I can say that uh, uh, I was very fortunate to have parents who were totally supportive. Uh, it would have been a, a, a different kind of hurdle and a different kind of problem
0: if I didn't have that support. So I'm going to have Tom Dreesen call you, so you'll be the first guy to ever <laughs> tell us Tom Dreesen. Yeah,
5: yeah, give him my number. And say, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that guy. Tom's a great guy, <clears throat> as a matter of fact. Yes, he is. So, it, isn't it hard? I mean, a lot, for a lot of people, it, it makes, you know, if, if mom or dad didn't love me enough or need, you know, whatever the situation was or unrequited love of some kind, it's really easy to write jokes around that. But when you're fully supported, man, it takes even extra work to write jokes, doesn't it?
5: Well, that's the thing. I always thought yeah. that uh, my childhood was uh, more. Um you know, if it was worse, I'd, I'd be more successful, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, it, it was, um, I didn't write from an angry place where a lot of comedians,
1: film, right.
5: Okay. Where a lot of comedians or writers write from a place where there's a whole now heart that has to be filled. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm a model of, of security, mind you. I would never make such a claim. But, you know, Neil Simon once referred to the comedy writer as a two-headed monster. One head goes through its day. It goes to the ATM. It gets stuck in traffic. It has a, it has a tooth pulp, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, another head emerges and hovers above the first head. And makes fun of the life that that head is living. Okay, and um, I subscribe to that. I I I, um, I, I can see where um, all my friends, yeah, we have normal conversations and we have fun and this and that. But there's a certain bent, you know what I mean? And the, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and the little bit more um, insecure you are, uh, the little bit more. you are right uh but the fact of the matter is um you know it's it's the way you look at the world it's a mindset and i don't i don't know if you have a fairly stable life i'm married 41 years three kids five grandchildren um am i neurotic oh yeah okay (laughs) Um, always wondering okay what's the next gig Oh, yeah. So it's weird that insecure people go into a very insecure business. And I think that that adds to the angst
0: also. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, it does take either some strength or mental illness to go into a business where you're going to be treated poorly for the longest time before you break through.
5: Oh, God, and how about the people who never break through? Yeah. If a singer, whether they're appreciated or not, there's always an applause at the end of the song, Mm -hmm. okay? No matter what. OK, if you're if you're on stage and you're a comic, you know, immediately because they're either laughing or they're not. Mm. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, it's a different kind of experience. I've written things for people, whether it's for the stage or TV or even the movies, because um, once you hear it said, it's it's different. It's now alive where when you write it, you think it's you're worthy of a Pulitzer. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you hear it said, you go. What happened to those words between the time it left my head until <laughs> it went into the fingers on my keyboard? They, they, they got destroyed. Something, something, it, it, they got derailed somehow. And it, it's always, that I don't care who you are, it's until you hear it read to see if it's effective or not, to see if it's funny or not, um, you do hold your breath just a little bit.
0: Alan, uh, i got to think about a two-minute break. Can we, can, you, can we keep you for ten more minutes after a very quick break? Is that, Would that be all yes, right? Yes,
5: yes, I'm here.
0: All right, I want to open up the second bit uh, with the last time I ever talked to Don Rickles. It touches me to this day, I will tell you. We'll be right back with that and more with Alan. We're going to talk a lot about the movie here today with Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish, also right after this with the family. the Giza dream bed sheets the my pillow mattress topper and my pillow towel sets call 1-800-516-5146 use promo code tom dan chesky is here from dan southside marine to talk boats in february 2021
3: is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof
0: whatever it takes.
5: if you knew, you would wish you were in my shoes. We
0: are back, ladies and gentlemen. Alan is with us. The movie's called Here Today, starring Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish, co-written by Billy and Alan, but uh, inspired by a short story written by Alan titled The Prize. Here today is in theaters now. Absolutely, we'll definitely see it because Alan's involved, Billy's involved, Tiffany's involved, so we'll get it done. Very quickly, we we're just talking about what's what makes people laugh. Why do you want to make people laugh? Uh, last time I talked to Don Rickles, it's been you know several years now, obviously, <clears throat> but um, I was talking about a run a uh, run for your life episode with Ben Gazzara. You remember that show, Alan? I remember. I remember the the series Run for Your Life. Yes. yes. Uh, Don Rickles was a guest star on Run for Your Life with Ben Gazzara. He played a comedian named Willie Hatch, and the episode was called Down with Willie Hatch, and I, I said, Don, I'd like to talk to you about that episode. He goes, you know that? I said, yeah, I love that episode. It, it meant a lot to me to watch that episode, because what happens is kind of, and what, what the reason I thought of it is, like you are saying, when you bomb on stage, it's a whole different deal. So in the show, uh, Don Rickles' character is not loved by people. Then as it goes on, he's not even liked by people. And then at the very end, they will not laugh at any of his jokes. They boo him off the stage. Uh, And pretty much it does not end well for Willie Hatch, played by Don Rickles. And I said, Mr. Rickles, i got to tell you, I was a little boy when I saw that many, many years ago. And I want to tell you, your acting in that was brilliant. I really felt that you you, you felt that deeply playing that character. Did that ever happen to you? And he just started crying. It was the cutest thing. I mean, not openly weeping, but he teared up. It was the, a very special moment in my life, I will tell you that, that he still felt whatever that was, that failure of his, that people scoffed at him and laughed at him, he still feels it. So that a lot of it comes from that, doesn't it, Alan?
5: Yeah. It's amazing. You know, I've um, been around uh, comedians, well, my whole professional life, comic actors, even writers, but let's forget about writers for a second because they're behind the scenes. When you go on stage and you uh, are trying to be funny, and like I just said before the break, you know, uh, a singer gets an applause whether they really like the song or not. Here it's about, if you get booed off or you get just uh, greeted with uh, or received with, total silence you know immediately that they're not liking you and for, in order for a comedian to be effective he's got to do a little bit of bearing his soul one is getting up there on stage to begin with and the very act of putting yourself out there trying to elicit a laugh um, there's a sensitivity that you feel uh, and and when you when you show the sensitivity you are very receptive to her oh, yeah. because you're opening up your soul a little bit. I don't know one comedian or one comic actor, seriously, no matter how successful they are, who can't tell you what Rickles told you. Yep. Whether it's a nightclub they played in, in Kansas City in 1949 <laughs> or it was an episode of something, you know, uh, 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 it's something about, you know, you can do 99, get 99 standing ovations, and the 100th, that's the one you're going to remember, just because they hurt you, you know, there's something that they rejected about you, and um, boy, it just keeps going.
0: It does indeed, it was a a very special moment, I mean, whether it's talking to you about it, or Tom Dreesen about it, or Don Rickles, and going down the list. Comedy and writing comedy, performing comedy, going up on stage because you are very vulnerable there. If people think that's easy, they better think again. I will tell you that, (laughs) you know.
5: Oh, we've seen it many times in TV shows and in movies. And, um, you know, look, let's look at the dynamics of it. You you can make your family laugh. You can make your friends laugh, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They know you. What you've got to go, do when you go on stage, there are strangers out there. And the reason that your friends laugh is they like you and they go along with it because they know your personality. You have got to convey that to your audience almost immediately for them to like what you're saying. Jokes are one thing, but when you're talking about presenting a character, especially if you're just being yourself, you're putting yourself out there. And you are subjecting yourself uh, to rejection. That's
0: yeah, tough. And that's exactly it. And that's what Don felt when I asked him that question. He, it, it was like he felt it all over again, Alan. It was really weird. Well, it wasn't weird. I knew what, what he was feeling, but all these years later, it affected him that much. It was amazing.
5: Yeah, it, 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 there's a sense memory that um, all comics have that um, just like you remember how you were hurt if uh, a, a girl you had a crush on in seventh grade rejected you. You, you, you hear that so- a song that was popular then, and all of a sudden you go, ooh, you know? And something <laughs> That's true. Indelible yep. of the memory, because it conjures up, oh God, bad feelings.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Now we only have about four minutes left. I want to hear all about here today, starring Billy Crystal, Tiffany Haddish, written, of course, by Billy and Allen, based on a story written by Allen himself. Here today is in theaters now. Is it also streaming, Allen?
5: It will eventually, but right now the studio has taken a very brave um, good uh, posture, and uh, now that movies are starting to open, you know, we we ha- it, yes, there will be streaming ultimately. But what happened was before the pandemic hit, uh, the movie was done. You know, it was in a primitive form with, like, temporary music and whatever. Uh, We screened it at a theater in Pasadena. There was about 300 people in the audience. And we saw everybody laugh and cry at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we understood its effect on a little community experiencing the emotionality together. So as opposed to just sitting on your couch and... uh, You know, you know know, when I'm promoting my book, you know, and I do it on Zoom, I can see in the gallery. You know, I'm telling my jokes, telling my story, and there are women who are knitting. (laughs) 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 So we 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 had the benefit of experiencing an audience looking straight ahead at a screen and going for this emotional ride together, and we knew that that's the way it should be seen. So, yes, it will eventually be streaming, but at the moment, as theaters are opening up, that's where you can find it.
3: How wide of a release does it have?
5: Well, you know, when Sony first saw the movie, they um, said, okay, 500 uh, screens. Then they screened it for the exhibitors, and it went up to 1,200. So, um, you know, I think if anybody goes on Sandango or whatever, see what the nearest theater view that's uh, showing it.
0: Yeah, I, I cannot wait to say. Like I said, I've always been a huge Billy Crystal fan, and I've been a huge fan of yours forever as well. It'll be interesting to see Billy working with Tiffany Haddish. It, it seems to me it probably worked out pretty well,
5: huh? It worked out great. Like I said, there's an energy between the two of them, and there's a romance uh, that uh, where you believe they love each other. It, it's not you know it's sexless, but at the same time, there's real love between the two of them. And, um, it's infectious. She's fantastic in it, and they're fantastic together. And Billy, who directed it, boy, I think you're going to be blown away by this performance.
0: Ah, uh, there's no question about that. Alan, do you remember the very first joke you ever heard to close things? Do you remember the very first joke you ever heard? Very first joke
5: I ever heard. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, I, um, I wonder if I'm allowed to tell it. Um. Well, I'll tell
0: them, I can tell mine first, and you can judge after that. Mine very, very short. You ready? Go ahead. I was a little boy. Now, my wife is here, my daughter's here, my daughter-in-law is here. Uh, so I'm telling this in front of them. Very first joke I ever heard, I did not get the joke. I went like, what? What do you mean? What? What?" Because I was a little boy. I was probably like six or seven years old, probably seven. The guy walks up, he goes, you want to hear a joke? And I go, yeah, okay. And he goes, what did Dracula say to his math teacher? And I said, what? And he goes, when's your next period? And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> I did not get the joke, obviously.
5: Then I guess I can tell my <laughs> <laughs>
0: There you go, Alan. There it's you terrible go. Terrible joke. That's why I didn't I was, get it. I
5: was a little kid, and our parents would take us up to the Catskill Mountains where I'd see a lot of these comedians, sure. and I'd sneak into the... Uh, Nightclubs, because I was underage, the first joke I remember was a wife says to her husband, I want to have my breast enlarged. I want to have an operation. He goes, What are you going to go through all that expense for? There's an easier way to do it. She said, What? He says, Take a piece of toilet paper, scrunch it up, rub it on this breast, and rub it on that breast. Do that every morning. And she says, that will make my breath bigger? And he says, yeah, with what it's done to your
4: ass.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> what a close, oh, Alan. I'm what an 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 closer. <laughs> like a closer. Who
0: Stocky would
2: love that joke. <laughs> he would love to tell
0: him. Alan, always great to see your name on the docket. I, I wish you came back once a week. I, I love your work. Thank you, sir. Invite
5: me any time, and I'm here. I, I love being on your show. I love talking to you.
0: Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Take care. Bye. 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 Alan's <laughs> Waybell, ladies. Of, what a writer that guy is. You know what's so amazing about that, whether it's, you know, Alan or Don Rickles I mentioned or Tom Drees and whatever, when they really are supremely talented, they're the best people in the world. Mm-hmm. They're the easiest to talk to. They just... You know, it's those guys that just got there, those men and women that just got there. They're a huge, massive pain in the ass. Yeah. Because they're not used to being famous yet.
4: Yeah, and I think it's like a... Once you've made it and you're like, I don't have to prove myself to anybody anymore. Now I don't have to bang my chest and say how great I am. I could just be a normal human being. Yeah. I think that's what it all boils down to. Like,
0: look what it did to your ass. That was... (laughs) 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 Oh, okay, Alan. No, I think that's a big part of it. I just... I love talking to comedians because I don't think the average person... They think, you know, oh, God, Don Rickles, man, he must be happy all the time, and his life must have been a thrill. No, all, oh, no. Yeah. It's a lot of pain there, man. That, that humor comes from somewhere. There's no doubt well, about that.
3: You think on top of it, they're dealing with people that are drinking, and they're oh, dealing yeah. with yeah.
0: people that are in different states. You know, some people show up,
3: and they're want, ready to laugh at anything, and other ones are just coming off uh, some big thing at work or yeah. some big fight, yep. and then they're trying to make all of them laugh, you know, yeah. and then, boom,
4: it starts going sideways. And boop, it off it goes. So it's, like the one, it's the one job that everybody in the room thinks that they can do better. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. Person on stage. yeah. Like, oh, that wasn't funny. Let me tell you how to make it funny. Nobody's going up to oh, Michael yeah. Bryant, like, hey, you know what? Great closing argument, but maybe uh, you should adjust this next time. Yeah. Your...
0: You're no dial lawyers. That's all <laughs> yeah. I am. <have>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know Saul Goodman. Saul Goodman? Oh, better, better call Saul. Better, better call, call Saul. Saul. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But I love talking to guys like Alan because it just, it reminds you of where now, tied into that now, where's comedy going to go after this, the the cancel culture and the this and the that and the reason I even bring that up I never thought I would live to see the day because I grew up in North Minneapolis Catholic, blacks and Jews, that's who lived there I never thought I would see the day where Jew after Jew after Jew, Jew was criticizing Israel I never, ever thought I would live to see that day, and I still don't understand what that's all about. I mean, even, well, Bernie Sanders, that lazy bastard. I mean, the reason <laughs> he's
2: doing well, oh he it. He
0: got kicked out of a kibbutz because he wouldn't work. I'm trying to connect all these dots. Yeah. From yeah, that's
2: how to, to
0: Bernie Sanders. Well, because it's how you you make anybody laugh anymore? Yeah. I mean, there used to be, like, rules, and this is in this category, and that's in that category. But now you're seeing all these, you know, very political people going after Israel. And it seems to me that if Hamas was firing on me, I'd probably fire back, too.
3: Okay. I'm,
0: I'm still yeah, trying. Like what?
2: Yeah, like comedians in no, no. Israel. You have to understand, the link?
0: comedian comes from reality, always. Comedy comes from reality. Okay. In every case. There's nothing funny right now yeah there is like what well
3: there's people there's uh, when you watch like when you trip and fall i would laugh yeah that's hilarious (laughs) that's hilarious but there's comedians still out there working and doing some good stuff and you know they went through they've gone through a big period of a lot of dick jokes that are just like (laughs) i agree i i I don't i don't yep I, I, i don't get but It's working for some people, and so that's what they go with. Um, But uh,
4: there's comedians still doing some good stuff, and
3: then there's some comedians doing some stuff that's getting
4: hammered. But I'm very, very curious to see like now that Acme and you know house comedy comedy clubs all across the nation are starting to open back up because going through such a sensitive time the last like year and a half, now it's going to bring more I think great material, and it's going to be interesting to see how people react. I think it's going to be interesting to see how people react to it. Are they going to kind of let their guard down and be like okay we can laugh at each other now right. or are they going to continue to be sensitive so well and how much some of them improved a lot with zoom com- comedy shows yeah, cuz they didn't have
3: crowds and right. they and they had to they they had to create something without having feedback and so you watch some of them improve that we're kind of stuck over the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's, it's still, you know, there's still a group still just stuck in either doing their old act, you know, and I've seen that where they do an act you saw two years ago and apparently for the last year, haven't done anything. And then there's a group there. They're doing a lot of, uh, of COVID stuff or a lot of math stuff. And that'll have its, its, its group. And then you got some doing political things, but you know, it works for some and doesn't work for others.
2: Well, how long have we been doing the show? 20, 30 years?
0: 30 years. This, it a, is is it a podcast? Nine years or 30 Since years? One or the other. Yeah. It'll be nine in three months. Yeah, and yeah.
2: and the comedians back nine years ago were saying, I got kicked out of, you know.
3: Whatever, yeah. and yeah. I can't
2: work because yeah. I said this joke. Mm-hmm. People have been, I mean, it's well, it, it, it isn't it's today exactly that saying. people are sensitive, people have been sensitive for an mm-hmm. incredibly yeah. long time. Yeah, Bruce
3: got thrown in jail, and oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's been ups and downs for all of them.
2: Well, his well, was like, mostly obscenity, yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Back in those
2: <laughs> days, that you had you know, yeah. you couldn't say. The Effenheimer mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, The CSers to, The one yeah. that got him
0: In big trouble and, yeah, You month. couldn't
2: say it <laughs> no, And you he was like I'm saying it anyway Yeah, so. yeah that's
0: very true but yeah. I just wish we'd get back To the days when Rickles would come out And make fun of black people you know
3: what I
4: mean? <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I think we'll ever no get back there, Kevin.
3: <laughs> I don't know why you're looking at me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were talking about Don Rickles, I was thinking he is the absolute poster boy of offensive, well, yeah. you know. There's no, you doubt. Yeah. no doubt about it. And somebody that at one time he could do whatever he wanted. Yes, and then, never again. And then, whoa. No way. The stuff that he was saying, there's no way he could get away with it. But it I, I got
3: to believe a lot of people just either did go see him or yeah. laughed in the yeah. middle because he would be super offensive he was groups. horribly offensive yeah. it was so, hilarious <laughs> well yeah if you're you it, if you're you not accept it all then it, it it is what it is but well
2: look, that's like you know. have to know like i would never just i'm gonna go see a comedian today and show yeah. up yeah. and act yeah.
3: Yeah. because
2: i would be no tons of people do that <laughs>
3: you see that it's it's
5: a, all, a, all of the shows time families are
3: like yeah. I, Did you, yeah. All the
2: time it Did happens. Did you know who was and it was? Like, and yeah. such a huge scope of what the comedian's going to talk about. And people just think like, oh, it'll be funny. Like there are definitely shows that I would be like,
4: Yeah, working working at the House of Comedy. Like my favorite was when like Joey Diaz or Big J Oakerson would come in, and you'd get people that were like, "Oh, we're just going to see a comedy show on Thursday. You guys are going to (laughs) be gone in in about ten minutes. You're not going (laughs) to last
2: a minute." Well, that would be
4: like going to a movie theater and just picking a random screen and going, "Okay, family,
0: we're going to see this movie and see what happens." (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Could be literally anything. Not good. Not good. See how it rolls. It's so
2: weird that people do that yeah it's Look, not smart
0: two no. things that don rickles did he could probably get away with the frank sinatra one yeah he'd he get away with that but i remember he's sitting on the di- uh, dais on the tonight show and all of a sudden out of nowhere frank sinatra walks out from behind the curtain and as he, you know johnny's looking at the rickles rickles looking at johnny and before frank could even say a word or sit down <laughs> rickles says to him Oh, look at this. we got Frank Sinatra, a nice Italian boy. Frank, let me make you feel at home. It was just hilarious the way he timed it out. Then the one where he's interviewing the 500-pound guy out in the audience, Mm -hmm. and he says it again, what's your name, buddy? He goes, my name's Tiny. He goes, Tiny, huh? What's your wife, a waffle? I mean, (laughs) that's funny. But you couldn't tell that joke anymore, I bet. No, I
4: bet you he could. There's, there's four like a or
0: 500 pound guys. I don't know.
4: If you're like the Dave Chappelle's, Bill Burr's, the world, like yeah, their last yeah. specials were highly yeah.
0: like offensive. If that's you're going to be offended, yeah. and yes. but
4: because it's them, they're like, oh, we're going to let them get away with it because it's an art form. So I think Rickles could get away with it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. Because it is an art form. I right? yeah. people. I hope. Do you think people know that? No, they, they don't. Because do they I think so it, like. Because
4: people are used to if you're in a room with your friends making fun of each other and laughing, you're like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you're now you're personally attacking me, making fun of me vibe, and so they mm. take that mindset to the comedy club, and they're like, well, he's personally attacking me. Say, they don't know you. You're a bunch of strangers to hear to laugh. Oh, I remember trying let your guard down. To,
0: I remember trying to make people laugh at Cleveland, and one guy, we were j- joking around, you know, they used to be called capping on one another. You would cap on something, mm-hmm. you know, right? And this guy got so pissed off at me, because we were all doing it, and I was apparently he, I was better at it than he thought I should be. <laughs> Because <laughs> he got really pissed off at me. I was like, "Would you settle down, <laughs> Jesus, you big baby?" So you guys think the comedy will come storming back? It'll I go along so.
3: like it does, you know. Mm-hmm. And there'll yeah. be people that'll rise and, you know. Yeah, it's I gotta
1: think gotta if be funny, people go though. back to, you know, telling their life. Because I think the best comedy, the best comics are the ones who talk about their life and everything yeah, I stuff. Think that's do, and don't yeah. focus on the trendy thing mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. happening. Right oh yeah, like trendy
0: com- comedy ages so it's poorly. It's
1: so horrible because it's like the new, tr- the next trend, and then yeah. they're not even going to. Six about months
4: your later, your yeah. material's already old so, and
1: like the best comedy. Like comedy shows that I've seen, like we love Joe Coy because he talks mm-hmm. all about his Cole's son all guy. the time yep. and his mother, and yeah, he's like, hilarious. He's hilarious. Yeah. Or we just watched um, one of Brian Regan's specials. Mm-hmm. We like Brian Regan because very funny. He's funny, but he's also not vulgar. Yeah, <laughs> which no, is hard to find. So it's just like,
2: well, and it's like some people do. Vulgar and stupid in a better way than others. Well, yeah, yes. yeah. like you know, Smart. like yeah, you have to do it like, intelligent. Or yeah. like Nick Swartzen, his comedy. Like you would not think that I would be like an audience that would be like, oh, he's hilarious. But I really like his comedy because he's just like goofy and silly yeah. about it. Yeah, he's he not is. just like. I don't know. But Some I'm people just about, take like, it so... But I'm talking
1: about like, people like Dane Cook, who dropped the F- F-bomb yeah, five right. minutes, He was yeah. never Because that's fun. all he can think of to say. he yeah. yeah, was
3: huge, though, yeah. for a while. He was, he
1: was huge!
2: huge. Yeah. He
3: sold out I time. I don't know. I, mean, yeah. did, I don't
2: understand. He did
1: have a really funny part. Like, really funny little bits. He was better in the beginning. Yeah, he was yeah, way like better the in the super beginning, figure. and now he's just gotten terrible.
3: He got his legion of 14-year-old boy <laughs> crowd. I never And yeah, that's it. when it's
4: he all got you bad. Yep.
1: It's all well, need. because that's, like, a
4: 14-year-old boy, you just swear on stage, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, right. this is so edgy, that's yeah. comedy for you. you know, but
1: you, all you have to do is look up his bit on The Atheist, and you will just die, because it's hilarious. Yep, but it's very animated. the only one that is good. That like. The only good one. <laughs> <girl. laughs>
4: one thing you got to say in
0: his defense... His own brother stole tens of millions oh, of no, dollars. That's, yeah. true. that's nice. crazy. That'll ruin your sense of humor yeah, right yeah. there. Aww. And you know his brother still won't tell him where it is. He yeah. buried the money cash. Oh he gosh. took it in cash. and Sounds buried. like a gun
2: to his head might be in order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it you like, will be telling it me like where this money is. Sounds like I'm burying my brother as <laughs> well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're an ex. You <laughs> <I get> buried. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I man, that's that. Uh, so I was just thinking about Eddie
2: Murphy, time. how hilarious he was for so many years. Yeah. And then he all of a sudden got into got that. Horrible. Women are just a bunch of leeches. and oh, women yeah. He, did? That, yeah, he was terrible. He for got very
4: him. bitter. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. He still Murphy's wasn't going to get bitter, married because
2: women just want your money and they're just all a bunch of. Yeah,
5: Yeah, yeah I think someone's nodding his not, not right. head
0: <laughs> over <laughs> here. <laughs> I'm
5: just
2: going to be quiet.
0: we got to take a break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. The whole <laughs> cast is here. Kostaki will join us for about 15 minutes at speaking the end of the next thing. Speaking leeches.
3: Speaking Greek
2: leeches,
0: you know. We'll be back with the family.
2: Have time.